What's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. It's the Apple Bits XL. I'm your host with the most, Mr. Brian Tong, here for everything good and bad inside the world of Apple. It is episode 30 for the Apple Bits XL. Thank you so much for everyone who has been a part of this. We continue to grow, and we'll talk about how you can support the show at patreon.com slash Tong. But let's just jump into it. Remember, this show is all about you all. You can call in 833-888-ABXL. That's 833-888-2295. I really want to hear your impressions now of the iPhone, of the Apple Watch, where you're at. I'd just love to hear one thing you really like and maybe one thing you don't like because I want to be able to get through calls. For some weird reason, there weren't that many calls this week. I don't know if the phone lines were messed up, but I want you all to really chime in here because, look, products just came out. We're going to talk about kind of some of the updates of what has happened since the 10s, the 10s Max, and the Apple Watch Series 4 have come out. But I really want to hear your experiences. You're on the ground. I have my own. I dropped my Apple Watch official review on my YouTube channel, so y'all can check that out. Uh, we had a lot of fun doing that, and I'm kind of doing a little slower burn on the iPhone 10 just because there's not too much that's really that new about it, and uh, I just, I just felt like. I can only do so much. I'm just one man, but call in 833-888-2295. All right, let's just get into the show. We know Apple Watch, iPhone 10s. we're going to talk about that, but I wanted to hit this first story, and it's about Qualcomm and Apple. And you might think, oh, great, this is not the sexiest story, but there's actually a lot of interesting stuff. Qualcomm and Apple have been embattled with this whole back and forth, you know, trade regulation bans of imports. I'm going to sue you. You're going to sue us back. But what happened recently, just this week, is Qualcomm has accused Apple of stealing confidential information and trade secrets. And according to multiple outlets, they have then passed them onto rival chipmaker Intel, according to court documents filed Monday and again reported by multiple outlets. Now, when I first heard this, I'm like, wow, that, that's a pretty big accusation. You have to remember that Apple and Qualcomm have been going on really this back and forth beef, I think as far back as June of 2017. It started to really pick up in July where, if you remember this story, Qualcomm asked U.S. trade regulators to ban all iPhone imports into the US. They said that Apple was violating patents that had to do with extending battery life and others, but they they asked for regulators to ban the iPhone imports. That obviously didn't happen. Qualcomm wanted to ban iPhones in China. Apple then countersued Qualcomm for patent infringement. Okay, so they were going back and forth. Qualcomm said, you're infringing on our patents. Apple said, you're infringing on ours related to managing battery life. Okay, this becomes quite the PP match. Then Qualcomm slapped was slapped by Apple with a $1.2 billion fine because they were saying, hey, Qualcomm has been charging us more royalties for them for Apple to use their chips versus other competitors. It isn't fair. It's been happening from over for over seven years. Okay. Qualcomm's like. Mm, okay, well, now we're going to accuse you of Apple giving your chip secrets, our chip secrets to Intel. Here's where it gets interesting for me. And if you follow along, fine. If you're bored already, we'll get through this story real quick. I'm going to tell you right now from personal experience, even on the retail level, 
If you don't know, there was a time where before I worked for Apple, I worked for a company called Spec Products. They make cases for Apple. During my time there, I and, but other people helped me, came up with this idea to put on this, which is now a very normal thing, a hard candy clear shell on top of your MacBook Pros, make it look real stylized. Um, And they were hit. They ended up making like 66% of the company's revenue. They were super popular at Apple. Other companies started copying them. But what was interesting is after they took off, all of a sudden we started to see similar cases, which happens. This is not any surprise, but it was kind of curious that all of a sudden, in case one of Apple's buddy-buddy partners started making the same exact case about a year and a half later and then started getting shelf space. And it felt like, okay, that's interesting. We had all this shelf space. We had established this new product. Even Apple goes as far as with vendors to say, hey, make a custom packaging for your product specifically for Apple stores so it looks nice on our shelves. Apple likes to control not only things with their products, but on the retail level with third-party partners. And guess what? Most companies bend over backwards and do whatever it takes to get their product in Apple stores because Apple stores are a huge machine and is a way to sell your products. Well, it ends up happening over the years that less of spec products cases were on the shelves, although they were the first ones to come out with it, and more of in-cases took over. And in-case was a buddy-buddy brand. I've also know this for a fact from other third-party company accessories that have worked with Apple Retail, that when they've come up with an idea of a product that was a hot seller, Apple has, and this is not an accusation, there is anecdotal and physical email evidence that Apple has gone to a buddy-buddy company and told them, hey guys, make this product for us that's doing well, we'll put you on the shelf. And what happens is some of these companies end up, if you go to an Apple store, you'll see there's some pretty clear predominant partners that are Apple partners. And in the past, it used to be a lot more diverse as Apple was figuring out. But as time has gone on, you'll see less case manufacturers, third-party case manufacturers compared to how it used to be, less third-party kind of electronic accessories than it used to be. And it tends to be skewed to maybe two or three brands. This is something that Apple has done historically. So when I see this story about Qualcomm saying, hey, Apple gave our chip secrets to Intel, it actually didn't surprise me. I'm like, wow, that sounds really familiar to what a company that I worked for in the past experience and what others have told me as well. It it really felt like par for the course. Again, I don't have all the evidence in regards specifically to Qualcomm and Intel, but I've seen it and it has happened even on the retail level. So. I just find that kind of interesting. Now, this is going. This has been an ongoing, again, PP match between Qualcomm and Apple. Every each side has sued each other for multiple things. It has. It smells like shades of Samsung, but it's a little different. And we'll see how this all shakes out. But there's a deep history between these two companies, and but there's also a historical kind of behavior that Apple has employed. You look at even how Apple has treated app developers where they see certain third-party apps that are really cool, and guess what? They've completely removed them by making their own versions built into their OS. Apple has also completely eliminated and hurt third-party chip manufacturers 
that have helped them. For example, uh, I think there was audio components and even display components recently where Apple's like, well, we're going to make our own GPU. We're going to make our own uh, power management chip. And those companies were kind of kicked out. Now, that's a little different because Apple wants to control the process and the manufacturing, and it helps them in their reliability of timetables of when parts fall into place. But again, they had, do they have every right to do it? Yeah. Is it shady-ish? Yeah. Does it hurt smaller companies that were part of the ecosystem that are now no longer kind of getting some of that cheddar from the Apple world? Yes. But they can do it. So maybe there's some of the same stuff here. Again, some of my lawyer friends like Gil Cabrera might be able to chip in because intellectual property like chip design is going to be different than um, a case for an iPhone or an iPad unless it has some really super unique features. But it has happened beyond just cases and with third-party products. So there you go. Qualcomm and Apple going at it. But at the moment, the latest story is that Qualcomm has accused Apple of stealing LTE modem trade secrets and giving them to Intel. Now, why is that also interesting? Well, we know, right? We had heard rumors that Apple was going to shift away because of their battle with Qualcomm, move away from Qualcomm modems and shift over to Intel-based modems, all Intel-based modems on their new iPhone XSs. Now, people have torn them down and it looks like that is the case, but something kind of popped up during this time after the iPhone XS had been out some owners, actually a large amount of owners, started to complain on multiple threads, not only on Mac rumors, but on Apple forums about their performance, saying that they were experiencing connectivity problems with both Wi-Fi and LTE on, guess what, the two new iPhones, the iPhone XS and the XS Max. So if you felt like your connectivity performance has kind of been shady or spotty compared to if you had the iPhone X or even, quite honestly, some of the earlier iPhones, you might not be crazy. So here's what people are kind of piecing together in a multiple 15-page thread talking about some of their issues. Um, Here's one example from a user in South Carolina that said, my iPhone X consistently holds three or four bars of LTE in my home with solid speeds. I activated a XS Max yesterday And upon first activating it, rebooted it, I got nearly identical performance. Within a minute or two, the signal degrades and data stops working. Disabling LTE results in a full 3G signal with 3G data. There's no issues. It's rock solid. But re-enabling LTE works for a minute or two, and then the signal goes down. Now, we had heard in previous iPhones, remember, there's always been like an unlocked version uh, that supports Verizon and AT&T and some of the CDMA networks, which are different than the GSM networks that T-Mobile and AT&T are on. In the past, they had even done benchmark tests where the Qualcomm-based modem that was in the Verizon-based phones performed better than the GSM phones that had an Intel-based modem. So this is actually historical data that had popped up. It, it was significant enough where people were outright saying, I want to get the unlocked Verizon version or just the unlocked phone, which supports all carriers because it had the Qualcomm antenna in it. Now we're seeing rumblings that all these new Intel-based modems on the iPhone XS and XS Max are having problems. Even... With Wi-Fi, 
people are noticing this has been an issue. It is, it's kind of hard to nail this down because right in different areas with multiple carriers, things always behave differently, but there have been some trends that have started to pop up and I wanted to talk about this. So in case you're experiencing this, you, you aren't crazy. Maybe there's something to it. Now, when we're talking about Wi-Fi connectivity, there's kind of its own issue. A lot of times on the iPhone 10, it would hold the Wi-Fi connection specifically, right? We have like the 2.4 gigahertz and five gigahertz connections. A lot of times it shows up on your wireless network as the two different ones. Now, what has been sh- what has been shown or what people are experiencing is it appears like the 10S and 10S Max like to hold on and prioritize the 2.4 gigahertz connection over the five gigahertz connection. And that's, again, a slower internet. This is slower Wi-Fi connection purely because of the gigahertz bandwidth. Okay, so again, we're seeing two potential issues. People are reporting this is happening. I just want to put it out there. Some of this, for example, the Wi-Fi issue of switching between from a five gigahertz network to a 2.4, I think that can probably be fixed with software specifically to identify instead of just sometimes some of these networks, they don't actually clearly delineate whether it's 2.4 or five gigahertz, even though both exist. So that could be something that could be fixed over software like, okay, stay locked into the five gigahertz one if you see a five gigahertz version of the network. That probably can be fixed, but the LTE issue is different and we're just gonna have to wait and see Apple probably won't comment on this and will leave it alone until there's so much evidence that they can't. But this has been an issue in the past with the Qualcomm versus the Intel-based modems. It has sucked, but people have proven that the Qualcomm modems perform better, specifically when uh, your carrier signal was very low and also perform better when you had a solid carrier signal. But again, nothing happened where a lawsuit was filed or people were mad. It just kind of ended up going, okay, whatever, That that's just the way it is. We'll see if it's really bad. We'll see if this is just the way it is. Now with the iPhone XS, so there's a lot of actually great things that have come out from it. DisplayMate, which has always kind of been the authority when it comes to display performance, has rated the iPhone XS Max as the best smartphone display Ever. Ever. You can be happy. You can be happy for that one. Best display ever on a smartphone. Topping out all competitors, standing alone. The Tennis Max has numbers, a number of notable improvements over the iPhone 10, a higher peak brightness, better color accuracy. It actually set New smartphone display performance records for DisplayMate, and I will go down this long list, but it is impressive. Highest absolute color accuracy. Smallest shift in color accuracy with image content. Highest full screen brightness for OLED smartphones at 660 nits. Highest full screen contrast rating in ambient light. Highest contrast ratio. Lowest screen reflectance in a phone. So that enhances the viewing as well. That's a big deal, screen reflectance. Smallest brightness variation with a viewing angle and the highest visible screen resolution. So they basically make a note, 4K does not appear visually visually sharper on a smartphone because these not we're, we're not getting a 4K screen. We're getting like a 2.7K screen, at least with the, at least with the iPhone XS Max. 
but it hit smartphone display performance records all time in those categories, which is a whole lot. So in summary, if you want to wrap it up in a nice bow, the iPhone XS Max has the most impressive display out there according to DisplayMate. If, again, there's plenty of impressive displays, if that matters to you, that matters. You know, it's using the same display in the iPhone X as well. So just something to let y'all know that your investment is a good one, okay? Now, we're kind of going back and forth with bad and good and bad. Here's one that it's not the end of the world, but no one ever likes to hear this. And this is only according to one test. But according to Tom's guy that has their own battery test comparisons, they pit the new iPhone XS and the XS Max against a variety of other smartphones. What they found, though, is that in their tests, according to their tests, okay, and what they do is they run a web surfing kind of loop continuously over a 4G data connection. Displays are set to the same 150 nits of brightness with both auto brightness and true tone disabled to at least try and be as consistent as possible. They try to make it as consistent as possible. What they found, though, is that the iPhone X outperforms the iPhone XS and XS Max in a battery life test. It's not by much, but it still does. So the iPhone XS Max in these tests was able to squeeze out 10 hours and 38 minutes of juice. The iPhone XS was able to squeeze out 9 hours and 41 minutes compared to the iPhone X, which beat them both and lasted 10 hours and 49 minutes. So the iPhone X, according to this test, beat out the XS Max by roughly ele- by 11 minutes and beat out the iPhone XS by an hour and eight minutes, according to this test. Is it the end of the world? No. Is, is an hour that much difference in day-to-day use when you're doing a lot of different things and that number could kind of shift depending on what task you're doing? It's not something that you're going to say like, oh, I feel ripped off. Apple has their own numbers. They claim that the iPhone XS gets you 30 more minutes of juice versus the 10, and they claim that the 10s Max would give you an hour and 30 more minutes of juice over the 10. But look, everyone's tests are different. It's just something to throw out there. The other, the other good thing, right? We'll go back and forth. Good, okay, bad, sad, good, sad, good. I guess... I guess, you know, knowing that about your, no one wants to hear battery life. No one wants to hear battery life going down like that. So yeah, that, that is a little bit of a sad apple, but camera comparison, the iPhone XS Max and the iPhone 10 really one, it's really subtle, but, and it should be better at least based on test. iPhone XS Max is better than the iPhone 10. It does a better job at least of separating the background when it comes to portrait mode. But I will tell you, you know, playing around and I have a 10s and a 10s Max and I've been goofing with them and I, I'm going to do a longer term review just because there's not that much different and I really want to try and find some of the differences that should really stand out. Everyone's going to jump around. People that get the reviews early, they're going to get that instant traffic early. But if you saw my my Apple Watch review, I got it at the same time as everyone else, but I really took time to use it and dig deep and surface things that people just don't know that no reviews are talking about to be very fair and well-rounded about it. It is still by far one of my favorite devices of the year, hands down. It has ways to improve, but I want to make people aware of some of the caveats that happen with all these devices instead of, you know, the standard sit on a desk, 
do the review as fast as possible. Stay in the same room. Just talk about the bullet points and add a couple, a couple of your own opinions. I, I mean, yes, that's great, but these are reviews that are going to live longer than that. You just, just got to bring a little bit something to the table. Plus, I got, I got a cameo in there. It's, it's just worth watching. Anyways, let's get to the iPhone XS Max versus the iPhone X comparison. Photos have been taken uh, by plenty of sites, and really. What you're seeing more than anything is a better separation of portrait mode and then more with the true depth camera system. And then more importantly, the smart HDR is better in bringing photos that have a better dynamic range. You're getting a lot more detail where in many situations when it's a bright bright light situation or even just taking a photo with what the iPhone 10 and how it processes Colors seem tend to be a little more blown out where it's brighter. You're losing a lot more detail. So ultimately, 10s and 10s Max camera is better. Now, it is slightly better. I'm not going to say it's a game changer better, but it is better. I think anyone who want people that treat their phones like their primary camera, yeah, you want the best camera. But is the iPhone 10s Max Max camera wor- or 10s and 10s Max camera worth getting? over a 10 is it that much better i would argue it's better but i don't think it's that much better and it it appears like even with the iphone 10s and 10s max apple specifically is kind of doing this smoothing noise reduction effects specifically on the selfie camera versus even what the iphone 10 used to do and i know some of these now these days some of these phones take so much detail some especially think about like what the pixel 2 does when you take selfies with it you're kind of like uh it's like it's like kind of like almost too finite but that's actually you know a good thing whereas apple kind of uses a smoothing effect and it's not always a good thing they have a lot of heavy noise reduction as well everyone to their own by the time you put it through all your filters on instagram does it really matter no but at least the camera's better in certain ways overall yes it's better but I'm I'm still the school of thought right now, even after using the iPhone for a good amount of days, that if you have a 10, you don't, other than getting the big screen 10s Max, you really don't need to upgrade to a 10s. Unless you got to, and we know there's a lot of the tech tech elite that listen to this that will get a new phone every year, and that's fine. I think you'll, you're going to get a phone every year no matter what. But there's most people that listen to this and that are part of the community that loves tech and isn't an every year upgrader. And quite honestly, it costs a lot to do that. Even if you do resell your phone, there's people that aren't going to just immediately jump and just buy a new phone just because Apple said so, especially with these phones easily hitting over a thousand dollars a pop before taxes and Apple care and all that. So another good little story here, YouTube and iOS have been updated to support HDR on the iPhone tennis and tennis max. So high dynamic range, now supported on the YouTube app, but not 4K content, okay? And you're like, okay, whatever, the display can't technically show off 4K content, but from a color standpoint, high dynamic range, right? We know it supports Dolby Vision and HDR. That's good to go, especially on YouTube. But 4K support on YouTube, whether it's the Apple TV or any other devices, still has not happened. It's been years. It doesn't. They haven't been able to lock down a deal. And again, I think it's some beef that happened behind the scenes, like we talked about. But HDR on YouTube, it's on the iPhone. So there you go. All right, let's take a breather to show some love to our sponsors, which would be 
you. Thank you so much to everyone who is listening to the show, who has given it a five-star review, who has, and specifically who has sponsored the show, patreon.com slash Brian Tong, starting at $1 a month, but you can go up to multiple, you know, higher levels, $5 a month, which is a cup of coffee. I always say that gets you to a higher level where you could get like a autographed picture and photo. And sometimes I do drawings on it which is really cool. But we have different levels and ways to support the show as high up to $5, dollars $10, $25, and $100, $100 the platinum level. Thank you so much for that. And quick note, I am working on getting sponsors for this show. So if you are a Patreon supporter in any way, shape, or form, there's a direct link to the podcast that will never have ads on it. And so I just want to say thank you to everyone who supported me in this new journey at any level. We're still trying to get to that goal to make this a permanent thing, but I'm hustling and you're supporting. And I just want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart. Oh, sarang samida. Sarang samida. That's for all my cocos out there. All right. Let's go. More stories. Mac OS Mojave is out. Mojave. It's here, right? You got the dark mode, some of the new apps, some of the new uh, the stacks feature for the desktop, which I think I'm definitely going to use. I actually did not. I'm going to update to Mojave in a little bit just because I use so many multimedia apps that are fine right now. I just feel like instead of just jumping into it and potentially screwing up my workflow, which would then affect everything I do here because, you know, I'm an independent business guy and creating content. I'm just going to be a little patient right now. But macOS... Mojave is here. You got the dynamic desktop, dark mode. Uh, Really, I think that Mojave is going to be a great overall improvement. People are going to see it and feel it in small ways, and it's exciting. And also the first beta of macOS Mojave 10.14.1 is out for developers. All right, we talked about the iPhone earlier. Let's talk about kind of some of the new developments and stories around the Apple Watch that have happened since last week, since it came out. The Apple Watch Series 4 is expected to gain a second manufacturer following much better than expected demand. Er, duh. I could have told you that. I mean, I've been high on this thing. I think you got to listen to Nostra Tongas sometime. Well, yes, yes. If you don't know who Nostra Tongas is, he's just waiting for the green screen to come together, and that takes time. You know what I'm saying. All my video, all my video peeps. Anyways, Apple Watch... I can tell you the supply, the demand was ex- higher than expected. In most stores, the Series 4 Apple Watch stainless steel in many stores across multiple models was actually sold out on day one. There were stores that had some models, but right where the aluminum watch was out there, the stainless steel one was sold out in many places. And uh, I just watched my video review. I'm not trying to pimp it. I love the Apple Watch series four also digging deep inside of it i fix it did a complete teardown of the apple watch series four and they were you know they were trying to figure out what is going on with the battery capacity because apple officially published that the series four models have less battery capacity than the equivalent series three models and you're like what like it's it has more real estate it should be better even apple has said that they get both the same amount of time or battery juice, roughly 18 hours. What would happen is more specifically, the 44 millimeter series four models have approximately 16.5% less battery capacity than the series three, which was a 42 millimeter uh, watch face. 
Similarly, the 40 millimeter Series 4 model watch, which is the smaller one of the two, has approximately 19.7% less battery capacity than the previous Series 3 38 millimeter, right? They increased in size, so 38 is now 40. 42 is now 44. I almost burped in the mic, but I didn't. In case you're wondering if I was choking, I'm not. Now, the other thing about this, though, is there's different ways where Apple has continued to optimize this. You still get um, the S4 processor, which has more efficient cores. They're also using a new display technology called LTPO that is said to improve the power efficiency of these displays. So that reduces the overall power consumption of AMOLED displays. That is contributing to why the battery life is roughly the same. And then watchOS, watchOS 5, that's another aspect of it. It's a great product. I'm all about it. I still want one of my biggest requests is an always-on display. I don't need it to be the fancy, cool, animated displays, but having an always-on display option that is just the time and the date in a very simple format that can at least move around and put... You can do this with an OLED display, but that is something that I hope could be coming soon in the next model. Or, you know, I want more battery life and I want an always-on display. Can I have my cake and eat it too? Yes, because Apple can make the magic happen. That's that's all that's all I'm saying. Also, everyone was like wondering where where's the fall detection feature in the Apple Watch? I know for a fact people were trying it and they're like how it it's not working. How do I get it on? Well, how do I activate it? The fact of the matter is by default, fall detection is actually disabled for users if you're under the age of 65. I tried a fake slip. I stayed on the ground. Nothing happened. This is like right on day one when you first open it. You don't really know exactly why it's not. You look through the same, like, how do you do this? So on the phone, on the watch app, so the watch app on the iPhone, if you really want to turn this on, you got to scroll down and tap on the emergency SOS, and then you can toggle on fall detection. Apple warns that it may trigger fall detection with active users, even if you haven't fallen due to people that are doing high impact activity. So you can you can tap and confirm if you're okay with that. It, it kind of dampens the whole idea that fall detection is for everyone. I guess you could change your age to 65 if you wanted to. You want to do that? I'm not laughing actually at our older listeners, but if you really want the fall detection, that's another way to do it. Or you can go through the... Uh, settings in the emergency SOS on the phone. Other cool kind of things that have happened over the past week, a lot of people came at me and like, oh my gosh, I finally got Google Maps on my CarPlay. I finally got Waze. Thank you so much. That was a improvement in iOS 12 that CarPlay supports these third-party apps. I still have a lot of loyal Apple Maps fans. I'm going to be honest with you. I actually started using um, Apple Maps just once in a while while I'm wearing the Apple Watch, and I do agree with uh, my guest, Lance Yulinoff, who has come on the show um, before, who said that he likes when his watch taps him before he has to turn just to make him aware so he's not, like, staring at the map all the time. And I would say it is a kind of nice feature. If you have an Apple Watch and an iPhone, which not everyone does because it costs money. Didn't you hear? So... Google Maps ways are showing up on CarPlay as options in iOS 12. And then also Jaguar, 
Jaguar and Land Rover are set to begin offering CarPlay and Android Auto this year. So some new improvements there. Uh, we didn't, again, I talked to you guys, talked to you guys, can't even talk English. I talked to you guys about voicemails. Call in the show. I really want to hear about you all. I don't even care. Fine. If you just want to make a friend, if you need someone to talk to and you got a life question, you can ask me. If someone calls in with a life question, I'm going to put it on the show. I swear to you, I'm going to do it. 833-888-ABXL. It could be dating advice. I, I got your back for men and women. I got, I'm, a, I'm good at that. I swear I am. 833-888-ABXL or 2295. We also want to say, um, let me, sorry, what am I doing? I need to get to this voicemail real quick. Sorry about that. Blair, holla at your boy. Hey, Brian, this is Blair in West Hollywood. I have decided that the new Apple Watch for the new operating system is the bomb because now I have <laughs> the trifecta of audiobooks from Audible thinking to the watch, plus the podcast, though I'm not super hot on the Apple podcast app, but that's what it takes. I'll use it. And of course, music. And I don't have to bring my phone with me almost ever. So I am truly feeling that the Apple Watch has now hit its almost stride of being completely independent from the phone, other than for texting and such. Now that I have cellular. Okay, well, take care. Thanks, Blair. Awesome call. I didn't... That's awesome that Audible is now an option, right? So you have people that have these libraries of audiobooks, and now you can listen to it directly from the Apple Watch with the Audible app. Oh, my goodness. That's pretty sweet. Uh, So, yes, music. I will say, Blair, and for other people that are listening, one of my... um critiques in my review was that apple first of all i love the fact that apple's podcast app is on the apple watch now but it the one of its limitations is it syncs directly to your phone based on whatever podcast you have what with the app that i really actually like and still like and choose now still choose today over the podcast app although the podcast app is synced for with my stuff outcast you guys and gals should check out outcast the reason why i like it is two things one reason is you can actually search for any podcast in this app while you're on your apple watch on your own and download podcasts directly to it over lte the apple watch podcast app does not allow you to search for new podcasts and add them to your apple watch you can only listen to podcasts that are synced from your phone it's a big distinction so kind of some of that discovery fine you can do it all on the apple watch phone but there are times where i just want to listen to a specific podcast i don't need the whole thing i type it in or verbally say it in my apple watch and pull it up on outcast that's great and then one of my big complaints was in watch os 4 you had to jump out of third-party apps to change the volume in the music player. Now you can adjust the volume directly in the app. So Apple has made that improvement. They let developers get that API, which is a big win, and I love that. So good on you. One thing, I don't know if anyone can confirm this with me, and I don't think I'm crazy, but I've tried it out. I don't know why Apple, it appears that, you know those complications that you do when you customize your Apple Watch face? Let me know if this is a series four thing or if you're seeing this on the series three, but at least with some of the new watch faces, the messages app is no longer available as a complication. 
And that drives me crazy. That's one of the things I use the most on the Apple Watch. Yeah, you can click on the side to pull up the app, but I liked always having it as a complication directly on the screen. Let me know if I'm going crazy or if this is actually true that the messages complication is not available on the Apple Watch Series 4 for any of the watch faces. I want to know. All right, that's going to do it for this week. Thank you so much to everyone for listening and supporting the show. Again, Brian, uh, patreon.com slash Brian Tong. I got to show love to my platinum apples who have been supporting the show at the $100 monthly level. My goodness, I'm just so floored and amazed by that. Brandon Ledford, Terrence McKelvey from Stratos Weth Partners, Gil Cabrera, Andy Halverson, Wesley Frader, Craig Hindle, and Jarrett Lewis. Thank you. Thank you all. And again, thank you to everyone that continues to support this show. Again, call in 833-888-ABXL, 833-888-2295. And I want to tell you, um, my actual live streams, like my YouTube live streams, I've kind of been slapped on the wrist and I won't be able to do them for like another couple months. So uh, when the next keynote comes up, I'm going to have to find a solution. I will let you know where it'll be. But for now, it won't be on YouTube for a couple months because BTZ got a little spankity spank like, hey, so fine. I'll follow the rules. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for listening. We will catch you next time for another episode of the Applebits XL Take care, be safe, peace.